Welcome, listeners, to another Transformation Church Sermon Podcast. Let's prepare our hearts to receive the Word of God. Good morning, church. How is everybody doing today? Everybody doing good? Come on. Man, it is good to be in the house of God. Come on, and go vol somebody. Everybody, come on. Y'all are in church. I was, it's always a big prayer of mine. Like, if the, if the Vols lose, we need prayer. You need to come to church. If we win, don't stay out too late partying. Come to church in Jesus' name. And uh, it is good to see you in the house of God today. How many, did we have any doubters about, about the Vols this weekend? Any, any doubters at all in the house? I'm going to be honest because I have some friends from out of town, and they were ridiculing me because I was doubting. I was doing that reverse faith, like, we're not going to win. We can't do it. You know, it was reverse. It, and I just, I kind of doubted. And at, at the gym where I work out, there's a T-shirt that says, feels like 98. And so, he has a loud laugh. Come on, man. We need feels like 98. And in that, uh, a few weeks ago, I'm like, man, it does not feel like 98. And I, was, and I told somebody that. And then last night at halftime, they text me, feels like 98. And so we're on our way. Go balls in Jesus' name. It's good to be a, on the winning team. Let me just say, you're on a winning team here at church. Being here, being plugged in here, being, having your family here and your kids here, you are on the winning team with Jesus. And it's good to be winning for God. You guys are winning. Your heart is winning. And I'm so thankful that our church is winning because you're a part of this and you are impacting your community, your homes, and this, and this house in itself. And so thank you, thank you, thank you so much for serving, being a part, and being plugged in. She Night was amazing. Come on, ladies. How, did y'all have fun at She? Pastor Heather Enix, she's right here on the front row. She brought the word to us. Thank you for that amazing word you brought. And, uh, and today we're, we're in for a special treat. My good friend is here preaching. He's been uh, preaching the word here before, and so he's no, no stranger. He's not new. He's family of our house. And so um, they, pa- they pastor Warehouse Church. Pastor Heather and Pastor Justin uh, founded Warehouse Church in Parkersburg, West Virginia in 2015, started that. And uh, it's impacting an amazing community. Their church is a lot like ours, reaching thousands of people in, in Parkersburg, West Virginia. It has a heart for the lost, a heart for people that are, are away from God, addicted. It's a contemporary spirit filled, powerful church. Come on, you're about to get the word preached to you, and at you better buckle your seatbelt today, because it's going to be strong. And uh, many of you said, hey, when's Pastor Justin coming back? And so um, it was an honor to have their whole family and some of their team in this weekend, and we got the word on Friday night from Pastor Heather, and then today, Pastor Justin, my good friend, is going to bring the word of God to you. So would you stand to your feet and give a good Transformation Church welcome to Pastor Justin Enid. Come on, man, we love you. What's up, church? I was sitting there listening to your pastor talk about it feels like 98. Well, we've never, we don't have a 98 in West Virginia. We've yet to win a national championship yet, so uh, celebrate that you have a 98 to look back to. We're, we don't like to look back in West Virginia. We like to look at what lies ahead, and, uh, and we won. So there's a possibility that before the last service is over, Jesus might be back. Because we are four and one in West Virginia. And that don't mean nothing to you. You guys always win. We don't, we're not used to winning the last four or five years, but praise God, we are. Yeah, I think it's my fourth time being here, and it does feel like family, it does feel like home. Uh, I've asked your pastor to hire me so I could just come be a janitor and preach occasionally, and he's yet to offer me a job, but I do get the honor to come once in a while and preach to you and see all the things that God's been doing in your church. And hanging out with him the last few days, got in Friday. And uh, man, he and he and Sandra are amazing, amazing people. Uh, they're they're great friends of ours. I, I love them uh, because of just the, the the way he's so authentic. Jamie's so encouraging, and um, just always, and and he's a joy to be around. But more than all of that, 
Uh, he's a tenacious leader. He's a visionary. And he's never settling. He's got, he's got God's given him great plans for this church and this city. And um, just grateful for his, his friendship in my life. And can we just for a minute honor our pastors today? Tell them that you're thankful. Come on, why don't we just clap our hands a little bit honestly and tell them thank you, that we love them, that we're grateful. And uh, if you give me about uh, 25 minutes, I'll be out of your way today. They gave me 40, which is way more than my church gives me. Um, but uh, give, me, give me 28 minutes, and, and, I'll, and I'll give you some time back today. If you have your Bibles, let's go to Genesis chapter 26. Genesis chapter 26. And I'm going to begin reading at verse number 12. It says, Isaac planted crops in that land, and that same year reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. How many people are wanting that for your life right now? Yeah, if only if it was that easy. Isaac planted crops in that land and the same year reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. The man became rich and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. He had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistines envied him. So all the wells, that's a word right there too. So all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the time of his father Abraham, the Philistines stopped up filling them with earth. Let's go, drop down to verse uh, 18. Then Isaac reopened the wells... That had been dug in the time of his father Abraham. Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham. One, one, more, one more passage of scripture, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, uh, starting at verse 19 says, Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the Bible. Lord, we thank you for this house of faith. Thank you for everything you've been doing in it. God, I pray for these next few moments. The Bible does not need any help from me. Uh, it can preach all by itself. So, Father, will you take your word, divide it, and place it into the lives of people where they're living, and may we walk out of this place differently. May we walk out of this place changed. And it's in Jesus' name that I ask it, and everybody says amen. If you're a note taker, if you're a note taker, I've tagged the title today, Stopped Up Wells. Stored up blessings. Stopped up wells. Stored up blessings. It was Jesus that said, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. So in other words, what Jesus was saying is anything that you and I commit to heaven, anything that you and I store up in heaven, cast up to heaven or cast up to him, up to God, it lasts forever. It's eternal. Nothing can destroy it there. It's a place of incorruption. Incorruptibility is what heaven is all about. Nothing decays there. Nothing is destroyed there. Nothing grows old there. Nothing dies there. Nothing withers away there. It's a place of invulnerability. It's a fortress. Heaven is a fortress. It's a citadel that cannot be attacked. There are no enemies inside or outside of the walls in this place called heaven. There's no danger whatsoever that the fortress of heaven can be breached and that the treasure could be stolen. Thieves can't can't break in. Thieves can't steal. Rust can't touch it. Come on, heaven doesn't default. Banks do. There's not a money problem in heaven. There's not a blessing problem in heaven. There's not a harvest problem in heaven. Heaven may not be FDIC insured, but I've come to tell you it's Bible insured. It's God insured. It's scripture insured. It's promise insured. Come on, the things of heaven. Come on, it's absolutely, totally, 100% secure. 2016, under the previous administration, 
uh, I don't know about in Tennessee, but in West Virginia, there was this uh, big oil boom, fracking. I don't know if you ever heard the word fracking, but in West Virginia, it was a blessing to our state. It was a blessing, brought in thousands and thousands and thousands of jobs, and people came from all over the United States to drill wells right there in our state, and it was a very, very, very amazing thing. And uh, so in our state, uh, we, 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 we kind of label these people mailbox millionaires. So these people, broke as a joke, didn't have nothing, but they did have a well. Somewhere on their property, somewhere out on the hillside, somewhere up on top of the, top of the hills, their, their granddaddy dug an oil well years ago, some, some hundreds of years ago, these wells were dug. And, but, the, but over time, they capped the well, they plugged the well, the well was no longer functioning until the right opportunity came. And when that opportunity came, the wells that they, that they, they didn't even help dig, the wells they didn't even help pay for but when, when the opportunity came by, when they, they, when they reopened that well, when they retapped that well, when they started fracking for oil, and they started drilling for oil, come on, people became mailbox millionaires overnight because of what the generation before them did for them. And so it's kind of like physically mirrors the spiritually. We may not be going home today and digging a physical well in our front yard, but I would encourage you to dig a spiritual well in your life. I think it's good to study the scripture in the book of Genesis, the, the scripture I read, it said that the Philistines came and filled the wells that Abraham had dug with the earth. In other words, they filled the things of God with the ways of the world. What has happened in our world today is the spiritual wells that we've dug in our family or our granddaddy dug in our family, if you're not careful, the Philistines or the enemy will come and begin to put and begin to stop up the wells, not with good things, but with the world's way. And some of y'all just need to pop the top and, 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 and break open the lid to the well that's been dug in your family. You better tap into the blessing that, that's in the ground, the seed that's in the soil. And so just like the Old Testament talks about digging wells, it was very common for fathers to, 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 to dig wells so that they're not only their sons, but their generations that would come after them uh, would be able to go to the well to receive water, whatever well they would dig. Normally back in Bible days, it was a well of water, but it was a source. In other words, they dug a well that was a source, not just for them, but it was a source that their kids could come to. Man, it's a source that their grandkids could come to. It was a place that wasn't just gonna be a blessing and a benefit to them, but they knew that if they dig it deep enough, if they dig it good enough, if they keep it open, that it's not gonna just be a well that blesses them, but it'll be a well that blesses their kids' kids and their kids' kids. Kids, kids, that's a good place to shout amen in Knoxville, Tennessee today. And so spiritually speaking, moms and dads, you can dig a well today that your kids can draw from tomorrow. You can create a spiritual legacy, a spiritual inheritance. You can dig a well of generosity. You can dig a well of worship. You can dig a well of faithful church attendance. You can dig a well that sets the right standard of living. You can dig a well of serving in the house of God. And if you dig a well deep enough, not only will your kids inherit it, and when your kids get something from it, but your grandkids will benefit it too because of your faith. I'm here because my parents, who were they were? My parents were, were good Christian parents and they raised me in the house of God and they were in church because their grandparents or their, their mom and dads were, were Christians. And my great, grandma, uh, my great grandma and great granddaddy, they were Christians. Do you see the spiritual genera like generational blessing that is attached to when you make the decision to dig a well of faith? It's found in being consistent. It's found in being being. Showing up when you don't feel like it. It's, 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 it's raising hands when you don't like the song. It's 
showing up when he preaches a message that steps on your toes and you still choose to come back the next week. What are you doing? You're digging a well. You're, you're making a decision that, man, what, what, I, what I do with what I've been given, it matters. It's eternal. You can, you, can, you can choose to store up things on earth today. You can build a great 401k stock portfolio and think you've got all the things in the world. You can have four houses and 25 cars, but if you don't store up things in heaven, well, that's, why the, that's why the narrow is the way and few who find it. You can't take all that stuff with you. I love stuff. I want all the stuff in the world, but when I leave this earth, that stuff's not coming with me. That's why I'm more interested in storing up, and I'm not talking about money, so unclench your butt cheeks. I'm not talking about money today. Just relax. But I am talking about storing up something your kids can walk into. I'm talking about modeling worship. I'm talking about having a prayer life and a prayer language. I'm talking about having a Bible class, having a Bible study. I'm talking about modeling something, digging a well that don't just benefit you, but the people that come after you can tap into what, what you put in the ground. Don't, don't underestimate what you do today. Don't underestimate how, how, how important it is to give. Don't underestimate how important it is to lift your voice to a holy God. Don't underestimate, Dad, how important it is to lift your hands to a holy God because your son's watching. Don't underestimate, don't underestimate praying before you eat. Don't underestimate laying hands on your kids before they go to bed, anointing them with oil. That's not crazy. That's bit, that's Bible. Don't don't underestimate going back to the old school because the old stuff still works. Don't get caught so don't 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 get so caught up on the new way and the new thing. Sometimes the new thing's shiny, but it ain't got no power. Sometimes you got to go back to the way that you worked and the way that you was raised. And I've been going back to how I was raised. I've been going back to that well my daddy dug. I've been tapping into the ways of the. Of the... Come on, you're passing something down today. You're either passing good genes down or you're passing bad genes down. You're either teaching your kids how to worship or you're teaching your kids how to be stale. You're either teaching your kids that God is our source or you're teaching your kids that the world is our source. Come on, what you do with what you've been given matters. How you sow seed matters. How you live matters. Dabbling doesn't work in the kingdom of God. Dabbling in faith doesn't work. Dabbling with the promises don't work. Dabbling in worship doesn't work. Dabbling in prayer doesn't work. Dabbling in fully following God don't work. You can't just dabble in this thing called faith. You can't have one foot in and one foot out. You can't do the hokey pokey of Christianity. It just don't work. You're either all in or you're all out. Some of y'all have been dabbling in the faith and wonder why you're not receiving the blessing because dabbling in the faith don't work. God wants your whole heart. God wants all of you. He wants all of your trust. Come on, what you, what, what you do with what you've been given, it matters. Scientific studies that when I was researching this message, I, I found out that, that absolutely our physical traits are passed down. Traits like, like our, our, our hair, our eye collar. Every living thing has traits that makes it unique. Most traits are passed down from parents to their kids. However, when I studied this, there can also, they, they also, traits can skip a generation. So you can get some of your traits from your grandparents or even your great-grandparents. Some traits are influenced by environments in, within which you live. So, sometimes even having twins, if, you, if twins run in your family, sometimes twins has a way of skipping a generation. In, in, in my family, my, my dad is bald as a, as, a, as a cue ball, like no hair. 
but my, my grandpa had a little bit of hair like I do, and I'm claiming my grandpa's genes in Jesus' name. Because sometimes traits skip a generation. But not only I believe traits are, 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 are passed down, but hear me, I believe habits and lifestyles and choices are indeed passable to our kids that are coming after us. Spiritually speaking, if your parents had an alcohol problem, the chances of you having an alcohol problem are higher than the family or the child that is raised by somebody that does not have an alcohol problem. If your mom was a druggie and you, while you were in the womb and she gave birth to you, without a doubt, you were not born an addict, but you were born with a desire to need the drug that was in the system for nine months of you being in the womb. Are you with me? You may not be born an alcoholic or born an addict, but you are born with a desire or a, a hunger for that alcohol or for that drug. If your dad was abusive, good chances you'll too be abusive. If your family is dysfunctional, when you get married and start your family, there's a good chance your family too will be dysfunctional. If you're raised up in a poor environment with poverty mindset, there's a great chance that your offspring, when they break out of your house and get in their house, they are too going to live with a poverty mindset. What are you trying to say? I'm saying that not only our physical traits are passed down, but also the way that we live our life, that our thoughts, our habits are indeed passable to the next generation. That's why it's important to bring your kids to church. If you're raised in a Christian home, the chances are much, 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 much higher that you will become a Christian and raise your kids in church. But if you're not raised in church, your, your parents weren't saved, your parents didn't make church a priority, then it's going to be much, 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 much harder for your family or your grandkids to, to, to be raised up in church. I'm not saying it's not possible. As a matter of fact, that's why we have the church. That's why it's called the church. That's why we have gatherings. That's why we have invite cards. That's why we encourage you to go out into the world and bring people from the world into the house of God. We're not a cult. We don't grow from within. We only, the only way we grow is when we reach lost people who don't know Christ. So I'm not saying if you're here today, say, well, my mom and dad weren't saved. That means I can't be saved. No, that means you've got you, you've to be the first. Like, starts with you. Like, you make a decision to be sold out to God. You raise your family the right way. You go all in with God. No, you make the difference. You dig the well. You start it today. You store something up today. I guess what I'm trying to say is if church is modeled, if worship is modeled, if praise is modeled, if we make church a priority, if we pray together and we worship together, if we come together, like all of this stuff is passable to the next generation. If alcoholism can be passed down, then why can't praise and worship be passed down? If drug addiction can be passed down, then why can't freedom of God be passed down? If depression can be passed down, then why can't the clear thinking be passed down? If poverty can be passed down, then why can't prosperity and the blessing of God be passed down? Come on, if fear can be passed down, then why can't our faith be passed down to the next generation? Come on, we live in 2023. I, I've got it wrote down this way. It's time to indoctrinate our kids, not with woke theology, but with Bible scripture. 
We've sat on the sidelines too long and gave the enemy too much ground. It's time to take back the ground that we've given the enemy. It's time that we start indoctrinating our kids with the love of God, with the word of God, with the grace of God, with the forgiveness of God, with the stories of God. It's time to, I'm talking about indoctrinating our kids right over there as you drop them off. Yes, we will indoctrinate your kids, not with the wokeness of the world, but with the truth of this book so that when they leave this room, they can stand in the test of time. Come on, we need, we need to bring the Bible back. I told our staff on Monday, I want, I want old school Bible teaching in our kids' ministry. I said, I want them learning the books of the Bible. I want them having memory verses, put up, you know, tape big old giant Hershey candy bars underneath the seat for whoever brings a guest. Like, I'm going back old school. That's how I was raised. My mom was a Sunday school teacher, and she'd go in early, and she would duct tape a candy bar under random seats of the... And I'd go, and I was smarter than she thought I was. I went in there, and I crawled all under the floor. I knew exactly where that candy bar was. And I got that candy bar every Sunday. Come on, there's nothing like the power of God's word. What are you trying to say? I'm saying if we don't stand up and fight for our kids, we're going to lose a generation. Your school system doesn't like your kids. They, they're coming for your kids. We need, we need, we need it. We didn't make sure that we, moms and don't, don't just leave it to the, to, to, to this church and to these amazing volunteers. They're going to get them an hour a week. As moms and dads, you better do your part. You better get in that book. You better read the Bible stories to your kids. You better teach your kids how to pray. You better teach your kids the power of God's word. You better stay up late and get up early. You, you, you better, you, you, you got to be the one to pastor your kids. Sure, well, sure, you can pastor with part, we can partner with you, you can partner with them, but that don't mean that if they run away, it's your fault. No, we gotta, you got, you got them six more days a week, 24 hours a day. You, you, you preach sermons to them. You put on a worship song and teach them how to worship. If you can't tell, I'm, I'm a church boy. Raised in church. I'm 43 years old. I've been in church 43 years and nine months. I was in my mom's belly. Every, I've never missed a weekend in church. And I thank God that I was raised in church. I sure, I, I'm thankful that I was raised. I'm, 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 I'm glad that I had a mom and dad that raised me in church, that drug me to church. I'm a, I'm a church kid. Like I, I'm a church kid that kept Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, board meeting, work day, seven-day revival, anointing service, uh, you, 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 any, Friday night spaghetti dinner, you name it, I was there. Choir practice, I played hide and seek under the pews, drinking communion elements. I, I did it all in the church. I kissed my wife for the first time in church. Upstairs in the dark in a Sunday school room. But I'm a church kid. And if you're a teenager, you've been raised in church, can I tell you, you're doomed. Because if you ever decide to go the other way and you decide to run away from God and you go out with your friends and they start smoking a little bit of weed and they start hallucinating and seeing pink elephants, you take a hit of that joint, you're gonna see the prophet Elijah. Your, your, your friends get drunk. They see all this mystical things. You get drunk. You're seeing Jesus coming back riding on a white horse. You're thinking, dear God, I got to get back to the house of God. Come on, do I get anybody thankful today that you were raised in church? 
Oh, I'm talking about anybody thankful that your mom and dad raised you in church, drug you to church. Oh, why don't we take 30 seconds and just praise God. Take a good old-fashioned Holy Ghost praise break for the wells that were dug that you walked into. Come on, I'm a church boy. I'm a church kid. Come on, you're saved and fall back. You can't have fun doing it, so you might as well stay connected. Mom, let me help you, parents. Don't apologize for bringing your kids to church. Well, if I come too much, that means they're here three times. It's a good, they need the word three times. You need the word three times. No, I, I don't, don't ever apologize for bringing your, I, I don't despise one moment of my upbringing. I didn't miss out on a single thing because my parents chose to, to be planted in the house of God. Some of my greatest memories that I could remember were of being in the house of God. I'm not mad at my parents because they raised me in church. I thank them every day that they raised me in church. I thank God that he gave me a mom and dad that stored stuff up in a place called heaven that I'm currently today in my season of my life a receiver of the blessing of the things that they dug for. They dug wells of faith. They dug wells of generosity. My dad taught me how to be generous. My dad taught me to how to worship and how to serve. And I guess I'm, I'm standing today in the blessing of God, not because I, I'm doing anything right. I'm here today because my mom and dad choose to do, chose to do something right. I didn't miss out because I had to say, no, I can't play soccer on Sundays. I've, I've got to go to church. I didn't miss out. I'm better because of it. Because my mom and dad taught me, hey, that's, that's good, but you're going to be 43 years old and slow and bad knees, and you're not going to be able to play that sport for the rest of your life. But I'm going to raise you in church, and don't matter how old you get, no matter how bad your knees get, you're going to be fully aware of just how good God is and how faithful that he is. My mom and dad, they chose to dig wells of, of generosity and, 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 and serving and worship and praise. I guess what I want to ask you, that, where I want to get to today is, you can make it easy for your kids to find Christ or you can make it hard for your kids to find Christ. If you stay addicted to, to, to the cigarettes and nicotine, you're going to make it hard for your kids not to be addicted to nicotine and cigarettes. If you stay addicted to pornography, there's a high percentage chance your son, that eight-year-old son that you bring to church with you on Sunday, is going to walk into a life in the future that has an addiction to pornography. If you stay living in that lifestyle, it's going to be hard for your kids not to walk into that lifestyle. You can either make it easy for your kids to find Christ, or you can make it hard. In other words, if you, if you don't stand up and fight that giant, your kid's going to have to fight that giant. But if you choose today to build your life, to commit your life, to make church a priority, to model what it is to be a worshiper, you're going to make it easy for your kids to step into this beautiful, fully devoted following of, of Jesus Christ. Like, like, like you're gonna, you, can make it, you can make it easy or you can make it hard. Moms and dads, by the way that you worship, you're either raising up a, a, a generation of worshipers 
or you're raising up a generation of spectators. Dads, if you make more noise about the Tennessee volunteers than you do about Jesus and his church, you're teaching your kids we're going to dig a well in the world because the world can satisfy our needs. The Tennessee volunteers can't get you into heaven. My mountaineers can't get me into heaven. I, I refuse to make more noise about the things of this world than I do about the things of my God. That's a good place to shout amen in Knoxville, Tennessee today. I guess what I'm trying to say is the church is still a good place to be. Don't listen to the world's way. The world will tell you the church is weakening. People are leaving the church. That is all a lie from the pit of hell. The church has never been stronger. There's, there's never been more people attending. As a matter of fact, there's ne never been more young people that are running back to the house of God because they've tasted the water of the world. They've tasted the world's way and it didn't fix their issue. And so now they're running back to the house of God. Because it's still a good place. It's still a safe place. It's a sanctuary. It's a tabernacle where we can meet with God. Sure, you can meet with him in the parking lot, but there's something sacred about the sanctuary. There's something sacred about coming together with God's people. I love online church. We have an online campus, but there's nothing quite like being in the house of God. There's nothing quite like hearing an amen or seeing somebody stand and give me a hallelujah. There's nothing quite like rubbing shoulders of the people of faith because your faith is down, but their faith is up and you need their faith to help you with your faith. And you don't get that if you're not in the house of God. I guess the question I want to ask you is what are you storing up today that's going to be passed down and picked up by your kids? What are you storing up? that your kids and your grandkids are going to pick up. I'm not saying that if your parents weren't saved, you're, you're out. I'm not saying if you did some weird things in the past, you're out. I'm saying you can commit today to do it differently. You can, you can plug up the world's will the source that you're getting from the world, it doesn't, doesn't the, the, the world always offers you an imitation of what actually the real thing that Jesus can give you. The world offers you peace, but offers it to you in drug form. If the world could solve your peace in drug form, you'd only have to hit it once. But the world has a way of getting you to come back and come back and come back and do more and do more and do more. When in reality, if you tap into the kingdom's way and find the peace that does pass all understanding, you have one encounter with God, and sure, we need to come back, and sure, we need to get stirred up, but you get one moment with God, your life will be forever changed. You don't have to keep coming back and working your way there. You'll, you'll finally have a relationship with Jesus where you're walking hand in hand, and it's not about working your way there. Well, preacher, I... I, I'm, I'm, I'm an addict. I, my, my, my dad was an addict and my granddaddy was an addict and I'm just gonna continue down that, that, that path. No, 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 no. Commit to be the first today. You be the generational curse breaker. Don't wait for your son or your daughter to have to do something that God's given you the power and grace to do today. You can break that chain. You can get set free. You can say no to the bottle. You can throw the cigarettes in the trash. You... Come on, God's given us the power today to get free. 
what you do with what you've been given. It matters. Psalms 119 and 11 says that I have stored your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Key word in that, I have stored your word, the Bible, in my heart. If all you're getting the word on a weekly basis is on Sunday morning, then you're not succeeding as a Christian. This is a big Bible too, by the way. But this is why they call it the daily bread. It's not the weekly bread. It's not the Sunday bread. It's the daily bread. Why is it called the daily bread? Because you need to eat it daily. And if we would learn to eat it daily, and and if you're newly saved, download the Bible app, and they'll give you a verse a day, and a verse a day keeps the devil away. But eventually, it's kind of like school. you you got to graduate from kindergarten to first grade to second grade. There's got to come a time, if you've been saved 30 years, you're not satisfied with just simply chewing up one verse. You want to read a scripture, and you don't even want to read a scripture, but you want to read the commentary, and you want to fill up a notebook, and you want to dive in and not just just chew the word, but you want to let the word work in your life. And I'm just trying to tell you, you, if you would store more of the word in your heart, you'd sin less. Because the Bible says if we store the word in our heart, it doesn't say we won't sin. It says that I might not. In other words, I don't want to, but I might not sin against you. Here's what I got wrote down. We need a hunger for right living again in America. We need a hunger for righteous living again in America. We, 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 need, we, need, we, need, we need a hunger for God's word. We don't need to make excuses as to why we need to spend less time in God's house. We need to make excuses as to why we can spend more time in God's house. We don't need a little bit of prayer time around this altar. We need a long prayer time around this altar. We don't need less worship songs. We need more worship songs. We don't need shorter sermons. We need longer sermons. We don't, we don't need to worry about getting in and getting out. An hour and 10 minutes is all I'm going to give you, God. Meanwhile, we'll spend four and a half hours before the game, four hours at the game. And if the game goes into overtime, we're excited. But the moment we get long-winded as a preacher, you're checking your watch. You've got a date at the buffet. You're getting mad finding another church. I'm telling you, we've got to go back and get a hunger for the old righteous living. When did holiness become a weird thing as a Christian? Like when did it become weird to actually do what the Bible calls us to do? So I say we go back and we get a hunger for right living again. Like give God daily access to our life, not just Sunday morning visitation rites. Because I don't know about you, but Sundays are not enough for me. When I get to Monday, I'm already, I'm, I'm already, I'm, I'm already empty from Sunday. I need to start on Monday morning and make sure my cup is full and get in the presence of God and put in my AirPods and listen to some worship and open up the book and tell God to speak to me. I need filled up on the daily. Sunday's not enough to go make it in this world. And if we want our kids to have a fighting chance, we better go back to what's been working. Like we better decide today that we're not going to give up and we're not going to take a back seat. We're not going to take a week off. There's 11 weeks left in this year. Why don't we make a decision to be at every one of the church service for the next 11 weeks? Like I, I'm, I'm, I refuse. I refuse to throw in the towel. I refuse to be quiet about the craziness of our culture. I refuse to sit back and let culture hijack my kids and let the culture hijack my, my, the, the minds of our children. I'm not going to retire from faith. I'm not going to back down from the culture, but I'm going to store up things of heaven. I'm going to pray harder. I'm going to worship more. I'm going to give more. I'm going to show up early. I'm going to stay late. I'm going to believe for more. 
I'm going to lead stronger. I'm going to lead with more faith. Because I'm choosing today that I'm going to live differently. I'm going to love differently. I'm going to give differently. I'm going to worship differently. I'm not saying because of your giving, your kids are going to be saved. I'm not saying because of you serving the house of God, your kids are going to be saved. But I am saying because that you do give, because you do serve, because you do make church a priority, because you do lift holy hands to God, you're digging a well, you're storing it up, that eventually what you stored up is going to come down. I'm telling them I'm a, I'm a benefactor of it now that the things that were stored up are now having a river into my life and I'm walking in a new authority. I'm walking in a new blessing and I'm walking in a new anointing. And so when you understand that what you do matters and what you do dictates what your kids walk into, it should change how you live. You're either storing up blessings or you're not. You're either leaving a mark or you're not. You're either leaving a legacy or you're not. You're either changing destinies or you're not. You're either clearing a path and making a way or you're not. Come on, I've got good news today. Not, not fake news, not bad news, but I've got good news today. That even though your daddy may have messed up, you're not messed up. Just because your parents got a divorce don't mean you've got to get a divorce. Just because your brother's addicted don't mean you've got to be addicted but you get to break that curse today and begin to cut a new path and leave a new legacy, store up blessings, store up favor, leave an imprint. Let me close with a story. 1946, after spending millions of dollars drilling 133 dry holes across Western Canada, Imperial Oil had decided to push forward with a last ditch effort to find black gold. Mr. Link, who oversaw the exploration, polled Imperial's 30 or so staff geologists and geophysicists, asking them where the company should drill hole number 134. I want you to pause for a moment and think of that. 133 times they went out and drilled miles and miles and miles and miles down and did not strike black gold. 133 attempts, spending millions of dollars, but I love the faith of Mr. Link who said, where should we go drill hole number 134? The consensus from all of the, 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 the smart people said Central Alberta. That's where you should go drill, Central Alberta. So using aerial photos and seismic test data, the, that location was narrowed down to a farmer's field about 40 kilometers southwest of Edmonton near the town of Leduc. Tests showed an, an, it showed an anomaly, a small rise in the Cretaceous rock formation, which indicated oil might be trapped below the surface. So, the, so drilling of Leduc number one started November 1st, 1946, and continued into the new year. And in January, when the well reached a depth of 1,536 meters, well site geologist Steve Cosborne made a discovery, clear yellowish liquid in the limestone samples. Jackpot, they hit black gold. It gets better a few months later and only a few kilometers away, Imperial's Leduc number two struck another gusher. What am I trying to tell you today? I think it would have been easier for them to give up after hole number 133, but they chose to believe the reports. They chose to believe the study that there was oil there 
that if they didn't give up, they'd hit black gold. And I guess what I'm trying to tell you is you got to learn to trust higher power. You got to learn to trust the promises. You got to learn to trust this book that if you don't give up and you keep drilling and you keep searching and you keep raising your kids, I've come to tell you this Bible still works. I've come to tell you prayer still works. I've come to tell you fasting still works. I've come to tell you raising your kids in church still works. Worship still works. Praise still works. Giving still works. Come on, the old stuff still works. Sometimes you just got to go back to the old thing and say, man, it's in there. I got to keep, I know if I raise my kids the right way, when they grow older, they will not depart from it. That's a promise of the scripture. That's an encouragement for you, mom or dad. Your kid may not be here today, but that don't mean he's not coming. You got to dig a well. You got to store it up and have radical faith. Stopped up wells. Stored up blessings. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for each person in this room today. Lord, thank you for speaking to each of us. Thank you for opening up our eyes. Thank you for just uh, the way that you can just speak to people individually in such a unique way. Thank you for the opportunity to dig a well and to store something up and to make it easy for our kids to find Christ. And I'm wondering all over this room today, if you're here and say, preacher, I need to get serious about this well digging. I haven't started digging. As a matter of fact, I didn't think it was that important. I didn't know that, I didn't know that what I did mattered. I didn't know that my, my son or daughter was watching. or I didn't know that if I didn't beat this habit that my kids are going are gonna to have a chance to inherit it. I want you to pray for me today. All across this room, I simply want you to, I'm gonna count to three here in a minute. And if you're here and you wanna get serious about digging wells of faith and wells of worship and wells of blessing for your kids to walk into, I simply wanna pray for you today. On the count of three, let me see your hands. One, two, three. Would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyone else? Anyone else? Yeah, yeah. Great. Keep them up, keep them up, keep them up. I wanna see who I'm praying for. I'd love to see who I'm praying for. Anyone else? You're not alone today. There's hands all over this room. Online, you can, you can shoot your hand up. Anyone else? Yeah, keep, it's, yeah it's, it's okay. There's no shame in this house. Anyone else? Great, let's, 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 let's keep them up. Let me, let me see them again. I wanna pray for you. Father, you see every hand. I don't know what that hand represents, God, but you do. So God, I pray that radical faith is released into their spirit from the top of their head to the sole of their feet. God, would you give them the perseverance, the commitment. God, would you restore the joy of their salvation today. God, that they would understand the magnitude of what it is that they do, how, how, what responsibilities that they carry. God, give them grace. Give them a hunger for your word. Give them a hunger for right living. God, help them. Help them understand what it means to even be a godly mom or a godly dad or what it looks like to dig a well. And God, I pray right now that you would do what only you can do and you have a way of meeting people right where they are. And so, Father, in this moment, I pray they feel the power of the Holy Spirit as a comforter. Fill them, change them, grace them. Lord, thank you today for speaking to us. And it's in Jesus' name that I ask it. 
And everybody says amen, amen, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, make a little noise if you're digging wells. Thank you for listening to another Transformation Church sermon podcast. If you would like someone to pray with you, or if you would like some ministry materials, please email us at hello at transformationchurch.us.